It is a new day, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. I am blessed to fellowship with you as we spend the next few moments hearing the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is your moment to receive life and bring in the message of life is our friend and our teacher, Pastor Josh. Romans 8 and verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Every time you see or you hear of sonship like that in the Bible, it connotes one word, and that is maturity. Maturity, those who are matured, those who are grown-ups in the things of the Spirit. Not everybody is a grown-up in the kingdom. There are some people, they've come into the kingdom for 28 years, but they have never learned the basics of the kingdom. They are still children. But what the scripture is saying here is that as many as are led by the Spirit. So one of the hallmarks of a mature Christian, one of the indicators that somebody is a mature Christian is that he or she is led by the Holy Spirit. She doesn't just do what she thinks is right. She doesn't just say what she feels is right. He doesn't just act any which way. He doesn't just do what everybody is doing. He doesn't just go to everywhere everybody is going, doing what everybody is doing. One of the indicators, one of the sure signposts that somebody is growing or has developed or has grown in the things of the kingdom is that he is led by the Spirit. God's leading, knowing how to hear God's voice and responding accordingly. Because hearing the voice is one thing. Getting the signal is one thing. Getting the prophecy is one thing. But ability to respond to it, to walk in line with what the Spirit is saying. It's a much better part of the deal. Amen. So you can hear all you want. They can prophesy you all they want. But if you are never ever going to do anything about it, then you remain in a pure. That is an immature person. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God doesn't want us to remain babies. See, in those days in the Roman Empire, what happened is this. A man or a governor may have many children. So what happened is that, unlike some places where the first son automatically assumes his position when he passes on, in the Roman Empire, you take those sons, the ones that are enterprising, the ones that you can see the future in them. You don't just anoint them to replace you. You send them. I'm talking about the Roman Empire. You send them. Sometimes... One time, you might send them to the business world. They go and learn the art of business. Glory to God. You send them to some companies. Uh, sometimes, they send them to the church. They learn about the tradition. And then, at other times, maybe later down the line, they send them to the military. What is the number one royal family you know all over the world? The British Prince Charles is not interested in the throne. Prince Charles has two sons. What are their names? Williams and what? And Harry. Now, Williams one time 
was in the military. I think he's still in the military part-time. But Harry is in the military, whether flying helicopter, whatever. They're in the military, okay? Williams is the king-to-be because I think the father says he's not interested or whatever. And Queen is about 90 years old now. He's learning about the military. So what they do, they send you to the military. They'll send you to the finance. They'll send you to the treasury. You will know how money works. You know how they make money, how taxes are levied. You know all these things. When you are done here, they take you here. Before you become a king, you must know all these things. And that is exactly what the Romans were doing that time. You may have 10 sons, and then you send them to different places. The one that is able to cross all these obstacles, are you hearing what I'm saying? It is the one that you now appoint to be governor in your place after you are done. So for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 16. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit. See, there are two spirits in that scripture. There are, you see, you read the Bible every time, oh, spirit, oh, spirit. No, there are two spirits in that scripture. One is the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit. One is the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Ghost. And the other one is our own personal spirit. We have a spirit within us. Remember Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, right? And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Hallelujah. Now if you read chapter 2 of Genesis, you will see that after God formed man from dust, man was hanging like a dummy. There was no life in man. Basically God scooped dust and made man and made the legs and made the head and made the nose and made the mouth and made the neck and made everything. But man was hanging like a dummy. Have you ever seen a dummy before? There was no life, okay? Until God breathed into that dummy and the dummy came alive. So when God breathed into the dummy, what happened was that he took out of his own spirit. God took out of his own spirit and put in man. Man came alive. You have a spirit, naturally spirit. So when man sinned, in Genesis chapter 3, when they say man died, physically man did not die, it was the spirit that died. A man who is not born again, his spirit is dead. He's walking in darkness. He cannot see what you are seeing. He cannot hear what you are hearing. He cannot receive signals from heaven like you do. So you try to share kingdom things with him or try to share kingdom things with her. He thinks or she thinks you are joking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because his spirit is dead. And that is why when you preach the kingdom, you preach Jesus Christ to them. And they receive Jesus back into their life. You know what happened? That spirit that had died all of a sudden come back alive again. Hallelujah. And so that deadness of the spirit comes to an end. So there's a living spirit right now. There's this living spirit restored, reconciled back to God. Then you begin to hear God. 
Then you begin to desire, you begin to thirst after the things of the kingdom. You don't need to be pushed. You don't need to be induced to go to church. Does it not amaze you? You see Christians, about 7,000 Christians during their Zusa uh, conference. What month was that? April. About 70,000 Christians under the rain hearing the word of God. Does it not amuse you? How can 70 people stay under the rain? Not in Africa. If it's in Africa, you see they are looking for jobs. They are looking for money. They are looking for contracts. They are looking for... In America, L.A. for that matter. They were, we're all under the rain hearing the gospel, receiving the word of God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And so you see somebody comes to a church like this and the word is being expounded. The word is being proclaimed. And they are hearing the word. And they are crying. And they are shedding tears. And you are saying, is it not, is it not what they are just saying? But those words are entering his spirit. Those words are entering her spirit. And there is a connection. Hallelujah. Life is being imparted into that spirit. Glory be to God. Look at that scripture. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. And the spirit itself. That is the spirit himself. The spirit himself. You see? Anytime you see this spirit and it's a big S, it means the spirit of God. Okay? If it's a small s, it means your spirit. It means the human spirit, okay? And the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, listen to me. Church attendance cannot confirm to you that you are a child of God. Reading of the Bible cannot confirm to you that you are the child of God. If you are truly a child of God, there is an inner witness there is something on the inside of you that confirms to you that you know, that you know, and know beyond all reasonable doubts that you are the child of God. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here? Has the devil ever come to you and say, are you even sure you are born again? Let me see your hands up. Has it happened to anybody? It has happened. Every time that the devil is doubting your being born again, it means you are truly born again. You see, anytime the devil tells you anything, just flip it to the other side. Flip it uh, upside down. You get the truth. You get the reality. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He went to Eve. Is it true that God said he's in the business of twisting what God has said? The devil is always in the business of twisting what God has told us. The promises he has made concerning us. He's always twisting it. He's always trying to infringe it. He's always trying to water it down. He's always trying to make it lie. Is it true that God has said and so he goes to Jesus in Luke chapter 4. If it is true that you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. A man is hungry. The man has not eaten for 40 days. And you are tempting him. Actually, one of my beloved assistants in this church today, he saw a revelation of fried rice. He was fasting. By 9 o'clock in the morning, he has seen a revelation of fried rice. Nine o'clock in the morning, he fell asleep. He saw a revelation of fried rice. So I told him that means the fasting is working. You go to a man who has not eaten for 40 days. I say, if it is true that you are son of God. But you know what happened? That spirit of God, we always confirmed our own spirit that you know what? We are the children of God. It's all right. We are the children of God. Even when Everything seems turbulent on the outside. It is that spirit of God that gives you peace on the inside and tells you, it's okay, it's okay. You, that spirit of God, witness to your own spirit that everything is okay. And then the last uh, scripture I want to take on along this line is 
Proverbs 20 and verse 27. Are you there? The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Are you hearing me? Searching all the inward depth of his heart. Sometimes apart from when the gift of the discernment is functional, is going on. The Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. He said, who can know it? It takes only God. So, but it is the spirit that is in man that can, you know, spot all the selfish motives inside of you. You know, people can come to you and they tell you something that looks bright on the outside. But they have hidden agenda. There's a reason why they are telling you what they are. Now, what they told you to do, I mean, it looks good, it looks clean, it's for the betterment of the church and all that. But they have private agendas. You can never know that. It's only their own spirit that, that will redeem. But you know that why you are saying this thing is because of this. If it is today and they want to write the Bible, this is how they will write it. Let me read it to you. I, I got it from Kenneth Hagin. He said if it was today, the way that scripture will, will render that is this. The spirit of man is the light bulb of the Lord. So in other words, the spirit of man is this light bulb. You hold this light bulb up in the darkness of the heart, of the man's heart, of the woman's heart, and you see all the silence, unspoken motives. Why he's thinking, why he's doing, why she's thinking, why she's doing what she's doing. I just want us to set the stage straight. And then on Sunday, we will begin to examine critically the ways by which God speaks to us, how to recognize it, and all that. But first, let me just say one or two things about a couple of things in this session. Number one, men can be a blessing to you. Listen to me. This borders on the importance of divine direction in anything you want to do. In every journey you want to embark upon, any project you want to start, any marriage, any relationship you want to get into, any job you want to take, divine direction. These are some of the importance of divine direction. Men can be a blessing to you, but not a deciding factor of your destiny. Listen, do what God says and watch if you will not get to the top. It is true. Men can advise you. Men can counsel you. Hallelujah. They can even be a blessing to you. They can give you money to support you in your endeavors. They can do this. They can do that. But don't forget this. They are not the ones that will determine your destiny. Men cannot determine your destiny except you consciously submit your destiny to their care. Ignoring the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh my God. People have followed the voice of men and they missed the perfect will of God. They have elevated the voice of a man. They elevated the voice of an uncle. They elevated the voice of an auntie. They elevated the voice of a neighbor over the voice of God. And they missed it. They can be a blessing to you. Listen, there are people they bless you. They don't know why they are blessing you. Because they are a blessing to you does not mean that you are, they have become your God. They are not your God. You have to understand. God can use anybody to be a blessing to you. It's a privilege that God can use you. To bless somebody. Because the thing is, as God is using to bless somebody, he's also lifting up other people to be a blessing to you, blessing your children, blessing. So it's a, it's a privilege that me, that God can use me to be a blessing to somebody. 
You are not his God. It, it will humble you. It will, it will humble you that, oh God, I thank you that I'm not useless. Because the useless man or the useless woman is the one that is not a blessing to anybody. All he thinks of is himself. That's a very stupid, a wasted life. Especially when he has. And it's not being a blessing to anybody. Amen. Listen to this principle. What you know in the past is history. And many of us will do that. Oh, God told me 50 years. God told me three years ago. God told me. That is history. Okay? What you are going through today is an experience. What you need to know about tomorrow is only God that knows it. There is something you need to know about tomorrow. There is something you need to know about your future. It is in the hands of God. Your future is in the hands of God. Your future is not in the hands of man. Your future is not in the economy. Your future is not in any political agenda. Your future is not a function of where I want to stay in Oklahoma. I want to stay in Arizona. Your future is in the hands of God. The manner of yesterday is not good enough for today. God told me five years ago. Old news. Somebody say old news. What is God saying now? What is your remark for today? What is your remark for now? The word of God for the now. What is God saying now concerning your situation? Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9. A man's heart plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. You know the interpretation of this scripture? Not every open door is your door. Not every open door is your door. One day, Paul was to go to somewhere to preach the gospel. The Bible says that the Spirit forbade him from going to preach there. If he had this disrespected the voice of the Spirit and gone ahead to that place, he would have been killed. His journey in life will have been cut short. Because there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof is destruction. Lord turned and looked. He saw the luscious. He saw the forest. He saw the trees. He saw the hills pouring with water. He, he said, my God, this is it. And he chose that place. What he didn't know was that that was where Sodom and Gomorrah was located. In a matter of years, God was going to destroy that place. Okay, you are working with somebody who is your uncle. Your uncle Abraham is the carrier of the covenant. It was your uncle Abraham that God called. God did not call you. But because of the love that your uncle has had for you, he said, follow me, because your father had died before Abraham. And so you follow him. And because you were associated with Abraham, as God was blessing Abraham, God was blessing you. As God was blessing him, prospering him, God was blessing you, prospering you. Until a time came that the land became too big to accommodate your stuff and his stuff. And then the carrier of the covenant, Abraham, far older than you, old enough to be your father, now called you. He said, Lord, my son, you see, our workers cannot be fighting themselves. This stuff is too much. The land is before us. Choose left, I will go right. Choose right, I will go left. Choose north, I will go south. Choose south, I will go north. And 
Lot was greedy. You see, greed can kill people. Okay, an old man called you to choose. And you too, because you are sharp. You are a sharp boy. And then you look around. You didn't have common sense to say, ah, no, ah, ah. my father, my father. You choose. I'll take the rest. Ah, you are the carrier of the covenant. No. He looked. The lust of the eyes. He looked. And he said, this way. Abraham said, okay. I go this way. And from that point on, God refused to speak to Abraham because he had a Jonah in his boat. He said, leave your father's house. He didn't say, live with this, live with that, live. And he left with Lot. And as long as Lot was with him, he didn't hear from God again. The moment he parted ways with Lot and turned back, I mean, you see, we are talking about hearing from God. Is one thing that can block your hearing, that can cause spiritual hearing impediment, is disobedience. Because God is not a talkative. God will talk to you once. And when you don't do it, he will keep quiet. And God will be looking at you. Disobedience. And as long as he was associated with Lot, guess what happened? God stopped talking to him. And the moment he separated from Lot, and then the Bible says, is that Genesis chapter 13? He began to hear God, and God now said, look to the north, to the south, to the west, and to the east. See, everything that you see, he said, I'll be given. Hallelujah. And that principle in itself, there are people that you are associated with that can hinder your hearing from God. They carry all kinds of spirits. So your future is in the hands of God. And the person that knows that future very well is God. So, form the habit of asking, if only for asking, say, here is how one man of God put it. He said, uh, when you follow the leading and the command of God, you will become a commander in that area. When you follow God's direction, you will become a director. Because honestly speaking, God is not obligated to protect you where he didn't send you to. God is not obligated to provide for you where he didn't send you to. There's a place called there for you. For any man, for any woman, for every aspiring wife, aspiring woman, there's a place called there for you. Where your location is waiting for you. It doesn't matter how gifted a fish is. If you take fish out of its natural habitat, you take fish out of water, and you throw him in the desert, give him three minutes, he will die. Take him out of water for three minutes. He will die. She will die. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the way you become a director, the way you become a commander in life is by listening to his commandments. His commandments. You have to develop it consciously. You have to look at it now. If a child is doing what you didn't tell him to do, will you back him up? No, you don't have money. Even when you have the money, you don't have money to throw all over the place. But as long as a child is doing what you want her to do, what you want him to do. You see, somebody comes to me. He wants money for something. And you, you think because I'm a pastor, you just say, money, 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 money. And I'll just open a wallet and throw it to you. No. Even when people are in need, it's not every need. If you have acted stupid and foolish with the little that God gave to you, I cannot help you. I cannot support you. Hello? Somebody came to me for some financial assistance, I don't know, a year or two years ago. I told her, I brought money out of my pocket. Hmm? 
I showed it to her. I said, I'm not giving you. I put the money back. Yes. Because every time she's paid, she's in all the restaurants, eating all over the place. She will not cook at home. Yes. She will not cook. You are doing bling bling. You are shining on the outside. You have no savings. Not one dime of savings. And you have been working for three years. So three years working. Not one savings. Not one savings. You are buying all the latest clothes. And now things are hard. Oh, I'm short on my rent. I took the money out. I shot so hard. I said, I won't give you. I put the money back. It was a Saturday. And I took $7 out of my pocket. I said, take, go and buy lunch. Yes! Hallelujah. I don't just have money there and just be packing money and throwing it away. No, even God will not be happy about that. And that is one of the things, you see, when God stopped talking to you, the little he has blessed you with, you mismanaged it. You are not faithful with it. You see, a waster cannot do anything for the kingdom. Once you are a waster, the oil, grace will stop flowing. You know, there are some people, once money enters their hand like this, their body will be shaking. Their eye will be red like this. You don't know there are people like that? I watch many of you. The way you walk into church, I know that, ah, this guy has been paid. In fact, that time you can't talk to him anyhow. You say, don't disrespect me, my friend. <laughs> you have made $70.13. $70.13. <laughs> Jehovah. <laughs> now listen to me. Divine direction is a lifetime commitment. God spoke to you five years ago. Right? He wants to speak to you today. It doesn't mean because he spoke to you once, that is it. No. you At every point in time, you, you ask God. It's an act that can be consciously developed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm not going to lie and stand here and say, oh, you know what? Oh, you know I ask God every time, and he tells me, me and God like this, me and God, we are like this. Oh, my God, me and God, Lord, like the five and six. Me, me and God, we are so close. Like, it's a lie. There are times that the conveniency to do as a human being, you want to use your reason. One plus one is two. Why do I have to be asking God? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, we, I'm not standing here to say that oh, I ask God every time, every decision I take. But I can tell you one thing, though. When I have major decisions to take, and I'm going to get to that before we conclude today. When I have major decisions to take, I take my time. You cannot rush me. Even if the heavens is falling, you will not rush me. I will take my time. And when I hear, and I'm convinced that I have heard, that's it. It's done. I will go for it. Even if the heavens will fall. So it's a lifetime commitment. The first financial breakthrough we received when I came here, Oh, the people were doing amazingly well. The church was so wonderful then. I mean, you know. But when you look at the offering every week, the money was not even there. One day, I remember I was in Tulsa. I used to come from Tulsa then. That was the first financial decision I made in the church. And I was praying. My wife went to work. I was praying the night, pacing back and forth, doing something, praying, praying, praying. And the Holy Ghost said, do this. I said, ah, it didn't make sense to me. And that's how nothing. When God speaks to you, it doesn't make sense. Did you hear what I just said? When God is speaking to you, it does not make sense. Okay? It doesn't make sense how Noah was told to build the ark when it was 120 degrees outside. It does not make sense to me. 
It doesn't make sense when some servants of God were walking and the axe that they were using fell into the water. And they told the prophet. And the prophet did something and the axe, which is an iron, began to flow. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me how a widow have one last meal to eat with her son. And the prophet shows up and says, give me that food to eat. It doesn't make sense to me how that woman obeyed today. I don't understand the kind of spirit that got into her. And she obeyed. And when she obeyed, they were abundantly supplied for an extended period of time, both for the prophet, both for the son, and both for the widow. It does not make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me how Moses, with a rod in hand, can single-handedly walk into Pharaoh's domain and begin to challenge Pharaoh, sticking his long, bony fingers in the eye of Pharaoh, and then begins to act as God to Pharaoh. Do you know who Pharaoh is? Pharaoh was the most powerful king, the most powerful man in the world. He does not make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me how one man without leadership training, one man without inspirational training, one man without anything can single-handedly lead three million people out of Israel and walk through and they get to the Red Sea. It does not make sense to me. That can just stretch forth one road and the sea can part. It doesn't make sense how... You can throw a man into the lion's den. Lions, not lion, lion's den. And all of a sudden, all the lions, they lost their appetite. Have you ever seen where a lion lose appetite before? No, have you seen it? Say, ah, the lion say, my God, this is government meat. If I eat this meat, this is poison. This one will purge me. They lost their appetite. And the man of God used the lions as a pillow. He does not make sense. He doesn't make sense how you can take three Hebrew boys and you take them and you throw them to a burning fire. In fact, you were still giving a way out. And they were telling, King, you are talking too much. Do what you have to do. You are talking too much. And they threw them in. Their sandals were not born. Their clothes were not born. In fact, the only thing that were born was the things that they used to tie their hands. It does not make sense. Does it make sense to you? A whole city was shut in called the city of Jericho. And then, what kind of military strategy is that? Say, get your musicians in place and begin to march around this city. The city was so fortified. Begin to march around it six days. And on the seventh day, you know, it doesn't make sense. And the scream and the words of Jericho come down. It does not make sense to me. It doesn't make sense how you can take somebody with no sin and put him on the cross of Calvary, and you nail him there, and you stick a spear in his side, water gushes out, and blood gushes out, and they put him in a grave. Everybody absconded, they leave him in the dark, the Holy Ghost comes, does his things, and before he's risen, finally, he goes to the pit of hell, down, 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 down. He goes there and confronts the principalities and powers. He goes there and confronts Satan, and disempowers them, he takes the keys away from them. He takes authorities away from them. He dethroned them. And he made a public show. He made a public show of all the enemies. That I not only defeated these folks, but he paraded them. The whole world. Everybody saw that they had been defeated. And on the third day, he rises up again. It does not make sense. He goes through a wall. He presents himself to the people. Holes in his hand. He goes through the world. He doesn't make sense. Hearing all the private conversations, the one who listens to all the silent conversations, even in the bedroom, he does not make sense. It doesn't make sense that I'm in trouble now. No matter the trouble that I am, it doesn't make sense that I can just call Jesus. 
and I'm saved from that trouble. It does not make sense. It doesn't make sense that I may have been a rapist, I may have been a ritual killer, I may have been a thief, I may have been all the vilest kind of offenses. Whatever the worst offense is, I may have been an abortionist, I may have been an arsonist, a burglar, whatever I may have become. When I just say, Lord Jesus, accept into my life, forgive me my sin, wash me clean with the precious blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Write my name in the book of life. And that is it. And that is it. And that is it. All the charges are wiped away. And that is it. All the punishments are, are, are done away with. And that is it. Even the sickness that is in my body is gone. And that is it just like that in two minutes. <laughs> I've lived like a hardened criminal for 78 years. And even it doesn't make sense that I can be dying at the same time Jesus is dying. And the last minute with the last breath. I, I turn to Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I say, when you get to the kingdom, remember me. And he forgives him, and he's saved, and he's delivered, and he makes heaven. It does not make sense. It doesn't make sense that the Roman Empire, they did everything possible to suppress the Bible, to burn the Bible, to cross Christians. And Christianity is going stronger and stronger and stronger. Every year, the Bible still remains the number one bestseller in all nations, in all continents of the world. Somebody shout hallelujah. You go to China, more Bibles are being printed in China, underground churches that are underground Bibles printing. They are printing Bible in millions. It doesn't even make sense that the harder they try to crush Christian faith, the stronger we become. It does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know, you know what else doesn't make sense? It doesn't make sense how a man and a woman can have physical intimacy and then before you know it, they say something has happened. That thing that is inside the woman now develops bones. How did bone get into that baby in the womb? It does not make sense. How did blood flow from the mother? You know, flow through the umbilical cord and nothing misses everything. It doesn't make sense. Hallelujah. So when you are trying to figure some things out about life, then you have not even started at all. Because when God tells you to do something, it doesn't make sense. We are trying for it to make sense. It does not make sense. How many of us eat coconuts? How did water get into the coconuts? Now, I'm operating on a different anointing now. It doesn't make sense. Listen, what is the most dangerous animal you can think about is snakes. Snake does not attack human beings. They do it defensively. A snake can be looking at you for three years. If you don't bother it, if he doesn't feel threatened, he will not bother. He's there. But the only time he strikes is when he feels threatened. Because the fear of man has been put on all animals. I, I was watching a documentary one day, and there were some natives in Africa. They went into this um, animal park. Of course, they were looking for food, whatever. And two of them, half naked. And you see the lion, and the moment the guy is so still, the lion will pull back. When it stands still, the lion stands still. I said, oh my God, I knew what was happening. Man, God has put the fear of man. Pastor, can you just write? Yes. Go and read the story about the city of Jericho. The Bible says that when he heard about the children of Israel, he said the fear of the children of Israel fell upon all the inhabitants of Jericho. He said none moved a finger. They were under lockdown because of the fear. The terror of the children of Israel had penetrated into their hearts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. Okay. 
What is the one thing that can enhance your hearing from God? This is the key that holds every other thing. It is a calm spirit. A calm spirit. Not a rowdy spirit. A rowdy spirit in most cases will miss God. There is a reason why I instruct my lieutenant and my assistant on my service days, except somebody's dying and nobody's going to die in Jesus' name, except there's an emergency, I try as much as possible to see the fewest number of people as possible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Two hours or three hours to service time. Left to me, I don't want to talk to anybody. A calm spirit is a necessary requirement for hearing from God. God is a spirit and he communicates with your spirits. God is a spirit and he communicates with your spirits. What then is spiritual sensitivity? And I'm going to read from you. I wrote it down. Spiritual sensitivity is the ability to tap into God's mind. Spiritual sensitivity is the ability to tap into God's mind through the power of the Holy Ghost. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Spiritual sensitivity is to know what to do part time in order to get results. Part time. There are times the Holy Ghost, okay, now, and you have seen it in some of our special services. Now, in the next five minutes, nobody moves, lock that door, keep the children silent, don't sing, don't clap, don't say amen, just be still before the Lord. And then you see, and you have seen it here, and then you see, just be still before the Lord. And then you see people dropping, boom, 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 dropping all over the auditorium. Nobody's laying hands on anybody. If I now take that as a pattern, I begin to do it every Sunday. I'm operating outside the will of God because you have to hear. Glory be to God. There are times you lay hands, there are times you make declarations, sometimes be still. You have to know. You must be spiritually sensitive. You know, it used to, I used to want to lay hands on everybody until I hit the realization that there are people that they are anointing quenchers. Some people are anointing quenchers. If you fast for 14 days without food and drink, and you go to them, you put hand on your head, you will hear, shh, because they have quenched the anointing in your hand. They will cool your anointing. They will cool you. Instead of you to set them on fire, they will cool your anointing. This one, let me leave this one. Let me go to work with people who God is working with, bless them, and then later you can come politically and diplomatically laying on her and you move. So those kind of people, you don't have to give them a second touch or a third touch. You just lay your hand and you move quick, quick, because they know they will quench your anointing. You must be sensitive. People God has ordained that he wants to visit them. You must know those people. You must be sensitive to be able to locate them and be a blessing to them. Spiritual sensitivity. Very, very important. What's another description for that spiritual sensitivity? It is to respond to divine signals. Divine signals may have a perfect health. And you are ministering to people. All of a sudden, you feel a sharp pain in your heart. And you know there is a, somebody there who is having heart problems. You are ministering. You may feel something in your back. It may be on your left knee. You know immediately through the word of knowledge that God is telling you that somebody is experiencing that and you release it and then you see 
manifestation. Because when God shows it to you like that, he is ready to heal that person. As you call it out, and as you pronounce it, and the person receives it in the spirit, they receive their healing. Can somebody say a big amen? You must be sensitive. You must be calm in your spirit. You must be calm in your spirit to be able to see and hear what God is saying. Now, listen to me. God is not a loud God. But now, in most cases, when God wants to speak to you, hmm, he speaks to you through your spirit. If you are not careful, you miss it. That's why you have to be calm on the inside. Yes and amen. Indeed, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that you have been truly blessed. To receive more copies of this message and other messages by Pastor Josh, please call 405-418-6222 or visit us online at www.okcmc.tv. If you are within the area, come worship with us at the Miracle Center, 6051 North Brookline Avenue, Suite 133, Oklahoma City. Stay blessed and stay connected.